Welcome to Stories We Don't Tell, a podcast about storytelling. Stories We Don't Tell is a monthly event in Toronto that features candid stories of strength and resilience. I threw out my prayers, they went flying like balloons. The air whipped our hair, we went shooting down the valley. Knuckles gripped upon the handles, shivers rushing down my spine. What's the blood? All these Why are you going to Malawi? The lady on the plane next to me asked as our jumbo jet descended into the Lalongwe airport. We had traveled more than 18 hours together from San Francisco to Washington, D.C., through Addis Ababa to Lilongwe. My mouth dry and icky after sleeping and then deciding not to brush my teeth in the cramped airplane bathroom. My mouth flavor only adding to my nausea, a result of not being able to eat more than a few bites of food catered by Air Ethiopia. Her eyes showed her excitement and interest. So what group are you with? It was clear looking around the plane, seeing groups of youth wearing matching t-shirts with peppy Bible Bible quotes, that they were coming for that life-changing experience, which would both open their eyes to the suffering of the world and allow them to to provide hope to the masses. A week, week later, they'd be on the same plane, flying home, their cameras filled with photos of barefooted children in school uniforms, their heads filled with stories of personal transformation that they share with their churches to raise money for the next trip. But I wasn't wearing a matching t-shirt, just a slightly worn out blue shirt I got from Target the summer before. I'm here to visit the projects that my organization Spirit in Action has sponsored. We've given grants to a community in northern Malawi for eight years. Now I finally get to meet face-to-face all those people I've been emailing with. We chatted a bit more comparing the list of vaccines we had to get, lamenting over my partner's mild case of yellow fever after his shot, wishing each other a good trip. Enjoy, no matter what, it's going to be amazing. I left unsaid that even though I wasn't wearing a matching t-shirt, I too was hoping for that transformation. I walked up to the meeting house of the Village Savings and Loans Group enveloped in a sea of voices. A thrill swept over me as they clapped loudly and sang their welcome, I listened to hours of testimony of lives changed, businesses that were now thriving, now making enough money so that the family could buy a proper bed and send children to school. There were more songs, hugs, invitations to tea. Photos of that day captured the bliss on my face. This is it. Years before, right after university, I'd applied to jobs at dozens of nonprofits. I wrote cover letters, enthusiastically describing my passion to serve. I wanted a job that fit with my beliefs and that would contribute to a better world. And then I got hired to do data entry at an insurance company. Looking at life expectancy reports, calculating the probability that the person would die before their policy expired. My friend's job was to call their families and see if they had died. I learned how easy it is to shut down a conversation by saying, I work in insurance. When I got that job with Spirit in Action, I was just so happy to not be working for a soulless corporation. Here was the opportunity to use my skills for something that was other than growing hedge funds. With each grant update I got in the mail, plastered with stamps from Kenya, Malawi, Zambia, and Uganda, I reveled that these stories of change were part of my work. Finally, I had a job I could be proud of. When I told people what I did, they'd respond, oh, you're one of the good ones, and I felt that I was. 
But in the very next moment, I think that even though I worked for good, it didn't always seem good. Most of the days it was just a job and a really lonely one. An email ding would bring a dread that it'd be another story of hungry children, money needed for education and for medicine. At some point, I stopped believing most of the stories. I wondered, is rejecting someone's grant application because their budget seems unrealistic? So different from rejecting life insurance because they'll live too long? If I really was one of the good ones, I reasoned, I needed a story of a strong calling or some deeper connection to Africa to get that stamp of authenticity on my work and to slow my growing cynicism. This need felt even more urgent after our founder died and I became the only person running the organization. I could easily talk about our grant-making process, but still felt like people were expecting some heartfelt story about a connection to rural Malawi. Have you read that book about the nursewoman in Rwanda? I hadn't, but I scoffed at the description of how she experienced a love affair with a country and a people that spanned a half century. I received several copies of The Blue Sweater, another memoir set in East Africa. This one, a woman gives away her beloved blue sweater uh, to a goodwill in the U.S., and then when she's traveling in Rwanda, she finds a child wearing her exact same sweater. So some part of me realized how contrived that narrative sounded. You go to a place you don't know, you don't know the culture, you don't know the language, and suddenly you discover yourself. But another part of me felt that these stories perfectly described what I longed for, that purpose. There were stories of belonging, of small world connections, of passion, and a calling, and I wanted one. After that first inspiring day in Malawi, I went to sleep tired, but so excited to see what would unfold under the next, over the next four weeks. By day 10, that bliss had thoroughly worn off. In Meru, Kenya, I was sat down in front of a group of 40 teenagers who had recently com completed a girls empowerment workshop sponsored by Spirit in Action. The local leader of the training wanted us to communicate directly with the girls. Wonderful, only my Swahili is non-existent, and their English was not much better. My husband was with me, which didn't foster a super great environment for talking about women's sexuality. It quickly devolved. They laughed at us for being so old without any children. They told us it's customary to remain silent when eating. I later learned that that's not actually custom, but it did create a welcome pause in our really awkward conversation. The next day, waiting on an empty, dusty tarmac for the flight back to Nairobi, Kenya, we took swigs of whiskey straight from the bottle. The airport attendant wholly disinclined to give us any information about when the plane might arrive or why it was already two hours late. Day 15, I woke suddenly in the middle of the night, my brain unable to stop its frantic thinking. The day before, I had received travel reimbursement requests from some of our partners. Something hadn't looked right, and it was bubbling up in my thoughts now, after midnight. I turned on my flashlight to look over the forms again. The numbers just didn't add up. People who had traveled together had different totals. They had different amounts for the same hotel room. I collapsed back in bed, wanting to cry and wondering where I would find the will to confront them in the morning. How had this trip drifted so far away from that sense of hope I felt the first day, surrounded by singing? On that trip, I did not fall in love with the entire continent of Africa, or even just Kenya or Malawi. Day 24, I returned to the U.S. so exhausted and disillusioned that for the first few weeks, I had to force myself to think about or talk about the trip. 
I had heard and seen amazing evidence of lives changed for those who had used their grants, but I was seriously questioning if I really was one of the good ones. My love affair with a country and a people is best described as a one-night stand. Turns out a lot of the day-to-day -day work of nonprofits has more in common with insurance hedge funds than blue sweater dreams. Thank you. I've been fighting for turtles for a long time and nothing. Here's so apparently need. I need to have some more You need to be the manager concerns. of an online community. That's a good point. I'm not that at all. I'm a manager of, a non, of an offline community. Yeah, and nobody's tweeting at you. I know. I should get the offline community to bring you pictures of turtles. I bet I could do that. Yeah, I bet you, tomorrow. you could do that. I'll update you, everyone. Okay, well. Um, so this is the Stories We Don't Tell podcast. Welcome to the Stories We Don't Tell podcast. Hopefully you only heard that last part about K-Cups. I hope they heard all of it. I don't even remember what we were talking about before that. Uh, other stuff. Today, we just heard a story from Tanya. Right, we did. That was great. That was a great story. We heard that story and then we heard a lot of things about K-Cups. Yeah. That's not how that's going to happen. It's probably going to edit that better. I don't know. Maybe maybe it will happen like that. Maybe, I feel like it should. Like, people, will, people will really want to know all this information after, we talk, after hearing Tanya's story. Yeah, so we heard a story from Tanya. Yeah. And what we're going to talk about today is when you want to tell a story, as Tawny did, that people think that they've already heard. Hmm. So a story that could be, there could be a lot of like trope traps in the story that you're trying to tell. I like the alliteration. Trope traps. Yeah. It sounds great and kind of gross. A little bit. Yeah. Um, so in this case, I mean, Tanya's story, and she refers to this as she's like, there's a common cultural narrative, and it's a little bit problematic, mm -hmm. that you hear from people who run nonprofits about how like... They have these redemption narratives about the populations that they work with. What is the terms? I think she mentions it. The term "fall in love with Africa." Yeah, like that's everywhere. Yeah, and that she and got, had so many books about it, and like that's, I mean, a problematic story in a number of ways. Yeah, but it's a huge trope. It's so popular. If you want to know how huge this trope is, literally just look for the Tumblr or or Tumblr. I think it is. Maybe it's a Twitter feed uh, called Humanitarians of Tinder. Oh God, uh, I and can imagine what that would be. Yeah, it's exactly what you'd think. Okay, uh, but it, this illustrates how. Yeah, so so how do you so how do you get in? And so she does an interesting. She, she does a good job, sort of. She, well, in some sense, her story is about inherently not having that experience. Yeah, it's about how that story shaped her experience yes. i think her expectations ways. of the experience and then and then and then what actually happened yeah but so in general i mean so we talk about it here with humanitarianism we'll say but this is true about anything like mm -hmm. a lot of stories at our event are about breakups or they're about grief or they're about other embarrassing stuff and like those can be pretty tropey like breakup stories can be pretty tropey we hear this a lot actually it's like oh she got crazy and then we broke up and right like really is that what happened because that's a huge cliche and definitely a story that I've heard before. What do you do if you're telling a story that other people have had similar experiences and consequently the audience has heard a version of the story before? Yeah. I'm sort of, I'm trying to think of a of a of an example sort of in that I don't think we've actually had a story in which the idea of she goes crazy and so broke up is actually a part of the breakup in part I think because the people usually bring the stories to us are the ones that are like no she was still cool and now I'm really sad. Yeah, or... Uh, which, is, which I guess also is a trope to some extent. 
Yeah, but or the alternative, which is like, I mean, I've definitely told breakup stories where I'm like, I was not doing okay. Like my mental health right. wasn't safe. I mean, there's a huge other problem with ever classifying anybody as crazy because of it's, course. I mean, it's an overused term that like undermines mental health in general. But uh, additionally, yeah, I think because people are trying to own those stories at our event. Mm-hmm. Side note. Yeah. Um, yeah. So there's a, so I'm trying to think of an example, but let's just, let's just talk more generally um, about the sort of how to get around really when you're telling any sort of story that you fear might be, might be, might be tro- fall into a trope. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's a whole bunch of different types of story. Every, you know, society has so many stories in this world that everything has a trope to some extent. Yeah. Um, and I think the one, the one, the first thing we always say is, is just be, be specific. Right? Yeah. So like make sure that your characters aren't archetypes. That's mm-hmm. the first one, which you can do just humanize people. Like tell us about them. Tell us about what's in a breakup story. Tell us about what was special about them. Why did you care about them? Make us fall in love with them too. Uh, and yourself, like complicate your motives, hmm. complicate your feelings. Tell us how things felt in your body in the moment so that we can feel them with you. Like just actually inviting people in instead of relying on the stories and characters that they already know does goes a really long way in just making these real moments that we get to live with you. Yeah, yeah, because I think there's, a, there's definitely a defense mechanism to some extent uh, or a, or a sta- standoffish move where you can be like, look, that's not me, or, or like or like, I'm just going to fall into this sort of explanation of, well, you guys get it because uh, you get this it. trope exists. Yeah, she was like Zoe Deschanel in 500 Days of Summer. Exactly. Like, Nobody's like that. <laughs> Don't do this to us. Um and and I think and I think that's a way it's it's intentionally a way to not really get into actually the 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 meat of the story. Mm-hmm. Uh, another thing that so where you mentioned I I'm going to presume that this is the on the last podcast, uh, just the ending about not putting sort of other people's not putting feelings on the other, not act not putting intentions into the other person's mouth sort of mm-hmm. uh, because I think that really sort of plays in the tropes because ninety nine percent of the time if you are saying that this person did something else because then you know why they did it uh, you're 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 uncomp you're not you're you're refusing to accept that they are a complex human being who has different motives about things mm-hmm. uh and so you're sort of already sort of leaning towards a trope if you try to explain other people's actions yeah instead of just telling us the action yeah you're flattening them when you try to attribute intention yeah and that's what you want to avoid entirely is you don't want like, if you have a bunch of flat characters going through it going through a breakup it will be a trope it, there's too many breakup stories out there uh yeah. To, to exist that if you if you don't make it specific or complex or, or anything like that you will just be telling a story everyone's already heard before because mm-hmm. like you know enough people have broken up over the th- thousands of years that humanity have been have been around yeah that we've every story has been told except for yours yeah we know them okay and my my last thought about this issue mm-hmm. we'll see uh, my last thought about this issue is to do what I think Tanya does well which is if you think that you're telling a tropey story then lean into it and acknowledge that trope Hmm. alternatively. So if you're telling a breakup story and you recognize that you sound like an archetype or that you're making someone else sound like that, tell us about that. So acknowledge it. Mm -hmm. Be like, I know that I sound, don't say it like that, but like, I know I sound like a typical lovesick lady. Nobody would say that. (laughs) You know, you know what I mean? I really hope someone has said that. Okay. I'll write that in for brunch on Saturday, but just acknowledge that like there is this archetype that, that, I am thinking of or using or leaning on and I want to make sure that I'm clarifying how I also diverge from that because I'm recognizing it in my writing. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's okay too, but like call it out 
Wow. And that might be part of your process too. That might not end up in the final version, but mm-hmm. like lean into it instead of kind of ignoring it and hoping that nobody notices. Yeah. And I think, you know, I think you can actually make it, you can be a part of it too. Mm-hmm. Right. Like I think, I th- cause I think, I think at any point in time, these, some of these stories are so ingrained in us that it does actually impact even how you go about your daily life. Like if you think you're uh, like, you know, for example, the, the super stereotypical of someone acting weird and ending relationship, mm-hmm. um, is so tropey that I think if you know, in your mind, if you're know you're acting weird, you will be, you will think about that. Mm-hmm. You know, you'll be like, oh, this is gonna be this thing. Is, is like, is this yeah. thing gonna be happening? This person might be seeing me this way. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and so I think there's like, I think there's a, because I think part of the, what calling that out does is it brings everyone into the real world again. Mm-hmm. You know, like if it, it brings you into the world where, yes, these characters understand they live in the world. That's so huge. Is that yeah. sort of like if your characters understand, like also live in the world that I live in, then we're then we're back to having a real story that isn't right. so trope. It's just so trope heavy. Yeah. Uh, and I think you can, and it's, and that is super important. Yes. Uh, so. That was my final thought. Yeah. I'm happy that being my final thought. Okay, so you can do it. You can do it. Don't yeah. just write tropes. Yes. You can find us online at thereapers.org because we're in the life collecting business. You can like us at facebook.com slash stories we don't tell podcast. If you want to help us out, you can rate and review us on iTunes. Thanks to Rayana for the theme music to this podcast. You can find out more about her in the show notes or at rayana.ca. And this has been the Stories in Our Podcast, which has been brought to you by Tropes. Tropes. No? To remind me that I'm